want you to go in the Old Testament, Joshua chapter 24, has been our text for this series called Take It Back. We started last week uh, on Mother's Day. We said it's a little aggressive title for a Mother's Day message, but we used it anyways. Take It Back. We're talking about taking back our families, taking back our families. Joshua 24, verse 15, very familiar passage of scripture. It says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. Now listen to what Joshua says. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. There's no debate. There's no argument. This is not something we're trying to figure out. Joshua makes a declaration of the decision of his heart. He said, as for me, and not just him, but his household, we will serve the Lord. I want you to know this, whether you're a child, whether you're a parent, each of us are connected to family somehow, and you have both responsibility and authority to declare that you and your house will serve the Lord. I know we got some young people in the building or watching online, and you're saying, well, my parents aren't serving the Lord. You have a responsibility and you have authority to decide and to declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. In Nehemiah chapter 4, it's another passage of Scripture. We'll get the rest of our message uh, from this passage. I love this passage of Scripture. Nehemiah uh, was, in, he was burdened because the city of Jerusalem, the walls had been broken down. And so he goes to the king and he says, I want permission to go back to Jerusalem and to rebuild what has been broken down. Jerusalem was the city of God. He says that these walls have been broken down. It's exposed to the attack of the enemy. I need to go back, and I need to rebuild the walls. And the king granted him uh, this, this favor. So Nehemiah goes back, and this is where we pick it up, chapter 4, verse 13. It says, therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places. And I posted them, not by soldiers, not by warriors, not by squadron, but by families, with their swords, spears, and bows. And after I looked things over, I stood up and I said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome, and listen to this, and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Sounds like a Braveheart speech. <laughs> fight for your family. When our, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated it, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. I, I want you to know this, that the family is under attack. More than ever before, the traditional biblical family is under attack. And Nehemiah, as he's rebuilding the walls, when he worked to rebuild the city, he first stationed the family. The first thing he did when he was going to support and reinforce the walls of the city, he did not call the government, he did not call the educators, he did not call law enforcement, he, he called the families. He didn't call the architects, he didn't call the construction company, he called the he called the families, and he says he stationed the families at the exposed places. 
I want you to know that the enemy's plan is to break down the walls of our city, to break down the walls of traditional values, to break down the walls of traditional marriage, to break down the walls and get access to the family. But I'm telling you, the quickest way to save America is through something that we have right in our own home. It's called the family. The family. If you want to make a difference in the world, then you make a difference in your family. And for many of us, the walls of our families have been broken down. There have been places where there's been exposed. There's been places where there's gaps. There's low places where the enemy can come in. And I want you to know this. God is not worried about the condition of your family right now. Because as soon as we begin to start talking about family, all of us start thinking about what we don't have. The decisions, the bad decisions that we've made, or the lack of, uh, of spiritual leadership that we've had in our home, or we go through the shame starts to come in the room. People who, who have lost loved ones, or been through marriage difficulty, or lost a child, or have a rebellious child, all of a sudden now, this begins. I'm going to tell you this, every single family has problems. Lots of them. You can't trust social media with the beauty and the perfection of family because behind every social media post is a crazy rebellious kid that parents are trying to cast the devil out of. You know, you get the snapshot with the smile, but you, you don't know the journey or the bribes that it took to get the smile. Every single person has brokenness in their family. Whether it's an extended family, whether it's an immediate family, every single person encounters brokenness, low places, exposed places to the enemy. But I'm going to let you know this. God is not worried about what you lost. He's working with what you have left. This is our posture that we have to take. As we declare, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I am not grieving or mourning about what I've lost. I'm recognizing that God is going to work with what I have left. I was talking to a, a, a gentleman in our church last week, and uh, he's a single dad. He's raising kids, and uh, he's working full time. He's incredible. And, and, and he has struggled at times knowing what to do and how to navigate the crisis that he's in. And you know what? God's helping him with what he has. God's helping him. God, God's not worried about what he's lost. He's worried about what he has left, and God's raising up world changers right in his home. So I want you to not worry about the things that you've lost or even the decisions that you've made. That's yesterday's problems, but today we're making a new declaration. We're making a new decision that as for me and my house, whatever I have left, we're going to serve. We're going to serve the Lord. The, the enemy breaks into our families in all kinds of different ways. And uh, there, there's times, and we all have exposed places or low places where the walls of our city have been broken down and the enemy has access. And I was thinking about some of these ways, and I'll give, give you some of them. One of them is this, is that the enemy gets access to our family through insecurity. It's a break-in. It's an in. It's an in for the enemy. It's an insecurity. We've seen parents mostly struggle with their own confidence as they get older and their children get older and wiser and there's rebellion or there's pushback and all of a sudden insecurity. It's, it's a way that the enemy can come in. That means we have to have our confidence and our identity in the Lord. Whether you're a child, whether you're a parent, i got to find my confidence in God. Insecurity, inconsistency. 
is a way that the enemy breaks in to the family. I see this probably more than any other thing, is that sometimes we serve God and sometimes we don't. Sometimes that's against the rules and sometimes it's not. Can I help you with your parenting? Like just, just, just for a second, okay? Just, just for a second, then I'll leave you alone. If you're one of those threatening parents, if you do this one more time, I'll take your phone away and you'll never get it back, and they do it again, and you don't take their phone away, you are beginning to establish a pattern of rebellion that is excused. If you have inconsistency in discipline, you will have inconsistency in behavior. So you, 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 as a parent and in the home, there has to be consistency. So I tell young parents this. I say, just stop threatening. Because if you make a threat, you have to follow through. Because if you don't follow through, you are beginning to break down the integrity of your home. Your children have to trust what you say. I'm not fuming around. If you do this again, I'll never, I'll never, you're moving out, you're out of here. Right? They, they do it again, and they know how far they can push mom, how far they can push dad. It's consistency. We have to have consistency in the home. If your kids wake up on Sunday morning and they ask this question, Dad, are we going to church today? You've already lost your consistency battle. If it's an option for your family, you've all, it got quiet in here. I'm sorry. Okay. We're going we're gonna to start today. We're going to start today. Somebody like, man, my kid asked me that this morning. It's okay. It's okay. We're starting from here. But inconsistency is a break-in point for the enemy. Inattentiveness. Not paying attention. I see this a lot of times with men that I'm working with is sometimes the trouble gets so bad, the best thing to do is just shut it out and pretend like it's not there. Put your headphones on, turn the game on, and just, and now we're not attentive. But all the while, the enemy is breaking in. Things are crazy at the house. The kids are rebelling. And so we just become inattentive. Just go to your friend's house. And, and now we're not, we're not attentive. We're leaving to educators and to pastors to raise our children. Educators, pastors, leaders are supplemental instruction to what you're already doing in the home. I'm not educating your child. I'm partnering with you to raise up world changers right in your home. So we cannot let the enemy come in in the way of inattentiveness. Another breaking is insubordination. Now, I knew it would get quiet on that one because that, that one's still. We all want our, our kids, if you've got kids, you want them to, to listen. Like that, I think. You, you want them to like, you want, pay, you, know, you want them to obey. And, and, and so we want them, we want them to respect their mom and dad to listen to what they say. I'm going to help you with something. They only will do what they see you doing. So I'm not the leader of my home because I get up every morning and say, good morning. I am the leader of my home. You will listen to me. You will respect me. You will follow what I say. You will obey everything. If you have to tell someone you're a leader, you're not a leader. If you have to announce in your home you have to respect me, then, then something has already been broken. If I want my kids to be submitted or to honor what I'm asking of them, what they have to see of me is submission. Not authority, not a loud voice, not a, not an iron, a ruling with an iron fist. They need to see me submitted. 
They need to see me obey. They need to see me honor. I, I can lead in authority when I'm under authority. Does this make sense? Insubordination is a breaking point, and for many people, we think that we reach a level where I'm the, I'm the dad. I'm the man of the house. Stop. Stop. It's not working or else you wouldn't be announcing it like that. The only reason you're announcing it is because it's not working. You're trying to say, hey, hey, just so you know, I am the man of the house. Hey, no, it's, it's, you need to be submitted. You need to give yourself to humility and to reverence. What does that look like? That means you need to find some other men, men, that you submit your life to. Someone that can tell you no. Women, you need to find other women that you submit your life to. This is not a, this is not a, I reach a level and I'm no longer accountable and I'm no longer submitted. No, your children at a certain age, you can, you can teach them all you want. But at a certain age, they will only do what they see you doing. There's studies that say that up to 15, they'll do what they tell you to do. I'm like, that's optimistic. <laughs> and after 15, they'll do what they've been shown to do. It's, it's, it's insubordination. It's a breaking point for the enemy. Indifference. Indifferent, indifference is things have gotten to a point that now I just... It goes along with inattentiveness. I just don't, I just don't know. I can't make a difference. It does, I, everything I'm doing is not working, so now I just don't care. It's an indifference. And these are breaking points that the enemy is getting access to our city, access to our families. My, my family growing up, uh, my mom my dad, we never had a lot of money, but they did a really good job making sure every single year that we would go on a vacation. And so we would look forward to summer vacation, and uh, we, didn't, we usually wouldn't go that far. It had to be somewhere we could drive. And uh, out of Washington, we usually go to this beach in Oregon. And uh, so we go to summer vacation, and, uh, and man, it, we, we looked forward to that. It was, it was awesome. My dad, he's like a, he's like a closet uh, sandcastle architect. So we'd go to the beach, and my dad would get out, and he would bring tools, like tools to the beach. I brought a chair, like a towel. My dad brings his, like, tools. Not, I'm not talking about some of y'all, like, doing, like, the buckets with the molds. I'm talking like a mold sandcastle. I'm talking about he makes a pile of sand. He gets his knife out. Spiral staircase. <laughs> turrets. Windows. I'm like, what? So I tried to build next to him, you know, and I'm using the mold. I got a cone. I'm like, so I, I was relegated. I don't know if this was his decision or mine, but he said, why don't you build the wall? So that was my job. My job was to build the wall around his, literally, we'd have 20 or 30 people stopped around the castle as my dad's building. I'm like, dad, you're like famous. Look at this. This is crazy. And so I'm building the wall. I'm like, I'm helping too. Look at me. Yeah, I'm building the wall. And, and the goal of the wall was to try to prevent the incoming tide from destroying the castle. It was only a matter of time before the tide was going to come in and take out the castle, which didn't really make sense to me because my dad worked so hard for hours and hours on this sandcastle only for it to be destroyed by the incoming tide. And I started to think about this this week, is that where you build and what you build on is almost even more important than what you build. If I'm trying to build this family in the wrong place without any walls of protection built around it, without any type of strong biblical values, if I'm not on the foundation of the Word of God, it's only a matter of time 
before the tide of our culture takes out what I'm trying to build. No matter how pretty it is, no matter how big it is, no matter, it's only a matter of time. And we would fight and we would build and we would build the wall and moats that would try to offload the water and it is only a matter of time before the tide would destroy that castle. And I started thinking about how many people in their own effort try to build their families, try to keep it intact. You know what the Bible says? Psalm 127 verse 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Now leave it up just for a second. Look at this. Unless the Lord builds the house. So we're like, oh, great. That's awesome. God's going to build my family. That's incredible. No. Stop. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor or work in vain. This is the idea of Psalm 127, is that God is the architect, that he has given us a blueprint. And if we don't have him as the architect, our work will be in vain. We will be protecting castles that will inevitably be destroyed by the tide of culture. But if God builds the house, which means if he is the architect, if he's laid out the plans, if he's given us the blueprint, if we build according to pattern, then what we build will be effective. I, I want my family to be effective, but Dustin's strength is only going to get a certain level of effectiveness. And eventually culture is going to win. But if I can lean into the architect of heaven, to the blueprint of heaven, then now he makes my work effective. Culture flows downstream from one generation to the next. We are living today in yesterday's and past generations' mistakes, grievances, broken walls, and compromises. This is true. What one generation allows in moderation, the next generation will allow in excess. What you tolerate in your home in moderation, your kids will tolerate or will allow in excess. So now we are, in this day and age, we are the recipient. Culture has flowed downstream. Compromise has flowed. See, back in the day, and people said that people didn't believe in biblical marriage. They're like, oh, come on. That's not a thing. That's not. But what one generation tolerated in moderation, now the next generation allows in excess. If we're going to build God's family and we're going to build it God's way, we have to have God's blueprint. Now, who decides what the blueprint says? Not culture. Not popular opinion, not urges, not temptations, not feelings, not what so-and-so says, only what the Word of God says. So if we're going to build according to pattern, we have to know what the pattern is. Now, this is the pattern. Now, many people, and God has, has, has redeemed every situation. God doesn't worry about what you've lost. He works with what's left. God works in all kinds of different ways. But I want to show you this in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verse 27, the very beginning, the first family. It says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male, biologically, and female, biologically, he created them. And God blessed them. 
And he said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So this is the beginning. In the beginning, this is the beginning pattern of what the family is. The best chance you have for success in your family and standing against the tide of culture is to build according to the pattern. So don't get mad at the pattern. This is just the best chance we have for success is to give ourselves to the pattern. So the Bible says that marriage is between one man and one woman. In the Old Testament, it said wives, plural. All right? In the New Testament, we understand this is married to one man and to, and to one woman. This marriage be fruitful and multiply. Under the covenant of marriage, God created and originated sex. For, for, for pleasure and for procreation. So he says, I want you to come together to satisfy one another and to have children. To populate, to fill the earth. This is incredible. That one man, one woman, married, have kids, and advance the kingdom of God. Did you know that the plan of God was that the family would advance the kingdom's agenda? That it was never supposed to be what we wanted, how we wanted it. It was always God's plan that the family would advance the kingdom of God. That families would stand in the gap. That they would stand in the break in the wall. That they would stand in the places and decide. And de decide that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The pattern was a man and woman that would have kids and fill the earth. He told them to be fruitful. He told them to multiply. And he told them to take authority or take dominion, which is that we are going to not be conformed to culture, but that we are going to live and establish a biblical standard. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Psalm 127, a couple verses later, it says this. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in, one, are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. I'm just going to let you know this. Children are a blessing. So no matter what you go through, some of you are like, man, I don't know right now. Children are a blessing. They're a blessing from the Lord. He says, blessed is those whose quiver is full, whose life is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. What they're saying is that God's blessing is on the family, that your children are a blessing from the Lord. So this is what we have to talk about, is if the walls are broken down and the family is in that gap, what does the family need to be? What, 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 do we, what do we need to do in order to secure the, the wall and establish a family that will stand, that will make a difference, that will advance the kingdom of God? Because I want you to know God's got big plans for you and for your family. And you're thinking, man, my family? Yes, your family. I don't know if you've read your Bible lately, but God used some crazy people. God used some jacked up families to do really amazing things. So before you discredit yourself or disqualify yourself, just know that God will take what's left and he'll flip it around, make it into a masterpiece of his grace and for his glory. If you're, if you're, gonna, if you're gonna stand against the tide of culture, you have to be a gatekeeper. It says that they, they stood 
the families in the exposed places, the low places, the broken places, and they served as gatekeepers to the city, which means this, is that they determined who would pass and who wouldn't. Who had access to their home? I'm going to tell you this. If you're going to build a family in 2021, you have to recognize that you're going to have to be a gatekeeper. You don't just have a family and it's like a lottery draw to see if they serve God or not. You've got to decide, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. The tide of culture is coming. The waves are coming. The storm is coming. If you're going to withstand it, you've got to be gatekeepers. Gatekeepers. We talked about this a little last week, but it's this. It's make sure that the battle stays outside your gates. So, sometimes, sometimes we kill our families with friendly fire. And the battle is not in your home. It's outside your home. But because you're stressed outside the home, you bring it inside the home, and you kill the people you love. You, you, you destroy the people that care about you the most because you brought something that should have stayed outside the walls inside the walls. You have to protect your house. You have to protect your city. What your children watch, what they hear. We talked about this last week. What they witness. How about this? Who they look up to. Who they spend time with. My, my parents were crazy growing up about who we spent time with because if it wasn't like, is, this, is, is little Johnny a Christian or not? It was like, does little Johnny respect his mom and dad? Is he sassy? Is he sarcastic? Is he negative? Does he put others down? I'm like, I literally will have no friends. <laughs> like, you deal with it. You got brothers and sisters. Like, oh, come on. They, they, they were gatekeepers at the city to make sure that nothing would get in that shouldn't get in. Who they spend time with. Who they, who they look up to. Who they spend time with. Can I, can I just, this is super practical. But you got to be careful where you send your kids. You got to be careful whose houses you send them to. Oh, well, that's a good friend from school. Does their good friend from school have an older brother? Have an older sister? Does their uncle live with them? Who, do you know what the condition of their house? Do, you, you need to know this. I'm not talking about being crazy. I'm talking about being a gatekeeper. I'll say, I am not going to let that, that, that innocent soul walk into a house and have access to something that they shouldn't have access to. I've got to protect it. As we close, this, this, is, this is so important that you establish a position of authority over the gate of your house. This is not coming in. This will not come in. I got to be a gatekeeper. I have to be an example. This one, it goes without saying. But we have to be an example. We have to be something, not that they listen to and obey, but that they watch and follow. There's a massive difference. If, if, they, if they followed you in what you did, in your church attendance, in your prayer life, in your love, in your character, in your integrity, what kind of person would they be? What kind of person would they be? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, it says, Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. Listen to this. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. That's a bold statement for Paul. Hey, I want you to imitate me. In another passage of scripture, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Some people think it's egotistical. It's not egotistical because I want you to listen to what he says. He says, I want you to follow me 
because I'm following Christ. So if I follow you, Paul, I'm not getting Paul. I'm getting Christ. When your kids follow you, do they get you or do you take them to Jesus? When they follow you, what do they get? When they follow you, what do they become? I heard a story from Pastor Jensen Franklin, pastor I look up to and respect, and he said that uh, there, was a, there was a young kid, he's like four or five years old, and he loved his dad, and his dad, he uh, there lived in the northeast and a lot of snow, and, and uh, his dad, every day on his way to work, the way he'd cope with stress is that he would always get a drink before work. So he always went by the same bar every single day, get a drink before work. He just, like, it needed, he needed to just take the edge off, go to work, make it through, and uh, so every single day, he'd make it into this place, and so one time he was on his way to work and it just freshly snowed and so he was on his way and, and he happened to just like sense like something behind him and he looked back and uh, he was just a little ways away from the house and his four-year-old son had gotten out of the house and was following him. It had freshly snowed and his son was, he wouldn't normally have been able to get through that snow but he was just stepping in the footprints of his dad and the Holy Spirit hit this dad because he realized if his son followed in every footstep, he would have led him right to the bar that he always went to medicate his troubles. And he turned around and he grabbed his son and he went back home and he fell down on his knees in front of his wife and he repented because he realized that he was telling and teaching his family to do something that they couldn't follow him in doing. This is what Paul was saying. He said, imitate me because if you follow me, you're gonna get to him. If you follow me, you're getting to Jesus. I'm not trying to make you like me, son, but if you follow me, I'm going to lead you to who I'm submitted to. I'm going to, I'm going to lead you to the feet of whose feet I am at. You can follow my example. If we're going to build the wall, we have to be a gatekeeper, but we also have to be an example. And lastly, you have to be a rebuilder. I had a builder for most of the week, and I changed it this morning to rebuilder. Because for many of us, we've had our walls broken down by life, by mistakes, by crisis, by trauma, by heartbreak, by sickness, by death, by divorce. By, we, we had our just, everybody's rebuilding. So before you start saying, well, I wish I had a family like theirs, or I wish I had a marriage like theirs, I want you to know that every single person in this room, every single person that's watching online, we're in rebuild mode. Because life is brutal, and the tide of our culture is unrelenting, and at times it breaks down the gates, and it breaks down the walls, and it exposes us to places where the enemy can come in. But this is what God's asking us to do, is to begin to fortify, to begin to stand, to begin to stand in the gap as families, and to be a rebuilder of what has been broken. Stop obsessing over what you lost and start recognizing what you have left because God will take the things that you have left, God will take the people that you have left, and he'll turn them into a masterpiece for his glory. This is how God works. If you look throughout history, if you look throughout scripture, this is God's specialty, is taking a mess and making it a masterpiece, taking our mistakes and our broken down cities and broken down walls and broken down marriages and broken down children and saying, we, we, we can work with this. We can, we can repair this. It's interesting in that same passage in Nehemiah, 
you go down a couple more verses in verse 20, it says, wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, join us there, and our God will fight for us. This is, this is awesome. If you fight for your family, God will fight for you. If, if you take your stance in the gate, in the wall, say, I'm going to rebuild, and God will begin to fight for you. Nothing is outside his reach. Nothing is outside his grasp. Nothing is outside his grace. No situation is too far gone. No situation has been lost where God can't redeem it and restore it. I want to prophesy over you. I want to prophesy over your family that God's not done with you. He's not through with you. You haven't done too much, gone too far, made too many bad decisions that God is not going to redeem your life and your family. I'm telling you and I prophesy over you that it is time for your family to take its place in the wall. We're going to rebuild. We're going to see America saved. We're going to see the church of Jesus Christ advance and it's going to happen through our families. Through our families.